Hello and welcome to Rounding the Earth. Uh, my name is Matthew Crawford and I apologize to uh, those of you who were trying to join us earlier. I had uh, technical difficulties at home, I had to go reset a router and kind of, um, you know, ate lunch, came back, uh, allowed everything to reboot and, and establish itself, right? And so, but we're back. Uh, fortunately, uh, we have two guests today, not just one, and they were both able to uh, push back an hour and 15 minutes to join us now, which is great. Uh, so we don't have to reschedule and this is an important topic too and it's and it's important that this information gets out now or is at least talked about now because people need to understand you know what it is that is going on uh in the in the medical freedom community and with their money and uh and you know what is it that we can trust in the ecosystem going forward so uh, i'm going to introduce uh two guests today um and uh, uh, Renette, uh, this is your first time here, though. I've, I've been on um, your podcast at, at Foghorn Express, and Kristen is uh, the and and Foghorn Express is also a, a Substack, and Kristen is author of Beyond the Maze and has uh, joined us uh, multiple times before. So, uh, welcome to both of you. Thanks. Nice to be here, Matt. And uh, these two ladies have been uh, among those who have kept up with um, with sort of investigation into America's frontline doctors and what's been happening there, because uh, that kind of became a mess. Uh, Simone Gold was at the Capitol in, on January 6th and was arrested and served um, a little bit of prison time for that. Uh, but th there's a, a much longer story to America's frontline doctors uh, than just, you know, the, the advocacy that they've seen on TV and, and that one moment. Um, which, uh, which has some interesting caveats to it. Um, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, well, currently we have a court case or, or, or maybe multiple legal proceedings going on, and we have an internal investigation going on into the finances of America's frontline doctors. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to start there. And which of you would like to take the baton and explain, you know, what's going on with, with the financial situation at America's frontline doctors? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start. So basically, at this point in time, um, it was in February 2022 that Simone Gold resigned. And she later on brought this case to Arizona saying she did not resign. It was conditioned upon um, a one and a half million dollar payoff, essentially, so she could start her gold care for profit company. Uh, ultimately, the judge in Arizona made the decision. It was clearly defined that, yes, she did resign. It was not a, a con on a condition of $1.5 million. And unfortunately, since then, she's continued to travel the country, declare herself the sitting president and chair of AFLDS. And what's happened is the AFLDS board that has Joey Gilbert as the president they went along and actually organized and created what's called the Oversight Committee that is chaired by Kevin Jenkins. Since then, they have been going out and putting into place uh, an actual uh, forensic audit. The forensic audit, though, is being um, stonewalled by Simone Gold's um, actual um, you know, money person, uh, their treasurer and accountant. And so they're actually now going after the accountant. What they did do, though, Matt, is they did do a preliminary audit and they saw that tens of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, besides just the $3.6 million Florida home purchase and purchase of, of three nice vehicles, um, has been absconded with. Unfortunately, they cannot complete their, their entire forensic audit 
unless they can get those books and those bank account opened. So right now they're working on that. What they're also doing, and there's some internal struggle going on right now, is Kevin Jenkins has been asking all the board members, including Joy Gilbert, who the Arizona judge had said that there was self-dealing involved. They had $20,000 a month salaries as AFLDS board members, though they really, some of them did not have the experience for that type of, of salary to be justified. And so what Kevin Jenkins has been doing, who's on the oversight committee, he's been asking the board to step down and say, look it, in order for us really to take this to court and have it be very clear, nothing muddled, we need a new board, a board that actually has doctors sitting on it and have the experience of running 501c3s. So we have that right now. There is an eviction process going on with Simone Gold and her living boyfriend in Florida, John Strand. They needed the LLC documents, but they're in process of evicting her as well. Um, and they have actually cut the, the payroll of the AFLDS board. They have also um, fired a lot of the AFLDS uh, employees that were still working with Simone Gold and actually also working with her gold care for-profit company as well. So it's, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of a mess right now but they're doing the best they can. And as Kevin says, if the board, the, the, the current sitting AFLDS board, if they do not do the right thing and resign and proceed uh, pursuing uh, Simone Gold, Kevin will go to the, the U.S. and the state attorney generals and they will actually ask for a receivership of AFLDS and they're going to continue that way. So it is getting hot and heavy right now. But I, I do challenge the current AFLDS board, including Sheriff Mack, who did go out and without the board's approval, solicit Simone Gold and try to cut a, a private deal without the board's knowledge. So there's a lot of turmoil going on right now. And I'm just going to challenge everybody in the medical freedom movement to do the right thing. And, and think about the donors, think about, about the people who've been suffering from COVID, who've been uh, you know, suffering from the draconian measures for the last three years. So this is interesting. Um, I did just a little bit of writing on AFLDS, not, not much, but the moment I did, uh, a number of people reached out to me and said, uh, you know, I gave them money and I've been trying to contact them and, and I get nothing back. Um, and, and, you know, of course, I don't know who any of these people are as far as I know they're bots, but, you know, it, I, I assume, I assume these are probably real people, you know, reaching out to say, to, to witness, you know, that, that there's something that doesn't feel right about the situation as in lack of communication, lack of action. It makes me wonder, like going back, I didn't even know like, what was the original purpose of AFLDS? What, what, what did they form a 50C3 to do? Because I've heard talk of like, you know, I, I feel like I remember Smoke Gold tweeting out, you know, we want to create a new hospital system or something like that. And and I thought that's what they were raising all the money for. It sounded like, you know, north of 50 million, if I if I understand what I've heard correctly. So what, what was the original purpose? Well, originally, a couple of different things. One is they telehealth, right? They're trying to make available ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, uh, and actually give people a uh, connection to real doctors to help them while they're in an emergency crisis. Uh, the other thing is too, was also to fight back, uh, you know, against all these draconian measures and, and put forward and support certain lawsuits. Um, and, and so you did mention to me earlier about the hospital. That might be the case. Um, I mean, I do know a lot of them want to, a lot of the medical, freedom medical doctors right now do want to create their own wellness centers. And so there might be something like that that she was actually thinking of as like her own wellness center, which is really what Gold Care is. It's like this wellness center, though it's also highly, highly questionable to what we've uncovered with that. 
Yeah, it, it feels like uh, when you've got a 501c3, I, I, I personally feel like everything should be transparent, like all finances should be transparent. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I'm a, I'm a blockchain advocate, actually, is, um, you know, when people are giving tens of millions of dollars to a company, not to be able to see what's being done with the money just seems like a no brainer of that. That's a disconnect of trust. Yeah. Um, and so it, it feels like uh, people uh, need to be calling that out. But uh, it sounds like um, there, there's one person on the inside who's being pretty vocal, Kevin Jenkins. Kevin Jenkins is being very vocal. I think he realizes at this point in time that, you know, there's a lot at stake here and including everyone's reputation. If they don't clean this up, then essentially they're complicit in the crimes. And Kevin has been saying that anybody who gives her airtime, anybody who gives her stage, anybody who writes about her and does not speak to what's really going on is complicit in the crime. And Kevin Jenkins is realizing that if they don't clean house, they're all going down. And, and I know Kevin, I just spoke with him this morning. He's, he's not going to stand for that. And so he is challenging the board right now. In fact, today, uh, to, to do the right thing, resign, put the right people onto the board who have board experience with 501c3s, who have medical experience, uh, who are not getting huge salaries, monthly salaries, and then proceed with the, uh, the court cases against Simone Gold for, for literally, um, acting fraudulently and making false claims that she's still on the board, that she's still president and chair of AFLDS, which she clearly is not. Hmm. Well, I, I yeah, I, I think that, um, it, you know, just going ahead and sort of presuming innocence or, or um, you know, uh, I, I guess I can't say if a crime has been committed. I haven't looked through all the details myself, obviously, but um, I just want to mention for um, for anybody watching, uh, completely independent of Renette or Kevin or Kristen, uh, somebody else came to me. Um, I had a phone conversation. We actually were not talking about this topic, but it came up in the phone conversation. He told me, um, and I, I trust this person because um, they, they were actually, um, you know, they had no reason to tell me a story. We were on, we were discussing a completely different topic, but they told me um, that uh, Simone Gold had gone to uh, the attorney Todd Collender and asked him to launder $30 million in a private jet. <laughs> and, and so I, I can't say that happened. It, it is hearsay as it is, but it's interesting that it matches the numbers. And I had not, you know, talked with either of you about this. Um, you know, when I, when I heard, you know, that, so I did, I didn't know what the number was going to be, but it sounds like we're talking about uh, a similar amount of money missing according to this internal audit or what they say has been the internal audit. Right. So we'll have to see how that plays out. We'll have to see what the evidence mm -hmm. looks like. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was very interesting to me. It, it made me look back through um, uh, you know, John Strand's uh, social media and the AFLDS social media. And right now it, it mostly just looks like a, like a, a, a daily stream of rah, rah freedom. And I, I feel like if, if that's all, you know, if that's where this has all been headed toward, uh, I think uh, not a lot of people are going to feel like they got their money's worth, um, you know, $50 million of rah-rah freedom. Have there been any lawsuits that they have fought or, you know, what, what battles have they fought and won? AFLDS? 
Well, that's actually really questionable because I've asked Kevin and I've asked other ones and they've they've kind of parlayed themselves or they have ridden on the coattails of other lawsuits, but they have not, from what I've gathered, they have not actually gone out there and led and undertaken any lawsuits themselves. So what we have for certain is photo ops. Yeah. And and awards. And lots of promises, lots of promises that have not been fulfilled. I do know personally people that I know who have been grifted where they've, they've reached out, they've paid their money and they never heard from anyone ever again, as far as a doctor from the telehealth or they ever received their medication. Okay. Um, and, and, and maybe that's what people were trying to tell me. I hadn't heard these stories before. Um, but I, that, that sounds like it might be what people were trying to tell me. I didn't get a chance to really dig in and look into it, but um, that's awful. If people didn't get I, their medicine. I can expand on that. Um, Please do. So I was already kind of following and monitoring different America's frontline doctors, social media channels of which there were a number, but there was a main AFLDS discussion or chat that had thousands of people in it. And I noticed in real time back in the fall and winter, basically of late 2021 into 2022, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people commenting that um, they had paid the $90 telehealth fee to have access to a doctor. They were told that they'd be called within two or three days. It had been, you know, multiple weeks or longer. They never got called. Uh, married couples had to both pay the fee. They couldn't just pay once. Um, if they made contact, a number of different instances of like, getting the wrong product or, you know, something going awry and recontacting America's frontline doctors. And if there was a response, they were told they had to pay the fee again um, to have access to a doctor. And then there were outrageously high costs for these um, medicines for ivermectin and for hydroxychloroquine. So there's just this like flood of, uh, what I've documented and have of comments from people saying, you know, they were billed $580 for, or sent uh, sample pills, actually like not even the real product, but sent like a little baggie of like sample pills and charged, you know, $350 or something like that. In fact, the chat at that time was so flooded with people. Um, I have documented comments from people saying, I've seen hundreds of people making these comments and um, absolutely no moderation for this chat. Nobody was admining, no one was moderating, no one responded to any of these people. Um, it was really terrible and really sad. And there were cases where people you know, literally said, I'm afraid my loved one is really sick. It's been weeks. I've spent this much money already. Why, why isn't anyone calling me? Um, and just to kind of add to that element of this terrible story in, um, fall of 2021, 
a journalist at The Intercept, which is a left-leaning uh, media outlet. So all of their pieces are going to be awash in accusations of disinformation and anti-vaccine rhetoric. But if you can kind of weed through that nonsense, there's some helpful information sometimes in those kinds of outlets as well. And this journalist from The Intercept was contacted by a hacker who had hacked into the databases of two of these third-party companies that were working with America's frontline doctors, one called Cadence Health that provided the telehealth service, and the other called Ravku, which was an online pharmacy. And this hacker extracted, managed to um, very easily gain access to according to these uh, articles, 260,000, but now we hear from someone internally, it was more like 1.6 million possibly, uh, patients' private information, not just their names, their uh, physical addresses, their vocations, but also their health information, and provided that information to this journalist. He went on to write a couple pieces. He did a couple interviews about it. And the focus was on the grift because they could see how much money these people had paid. And so just via the telehealth company and this information, to be really clear, was over the course of basically two months. That's it. So they got they got this information on patients from two of the I want to say four. I'm not sure third-party companies involved. So th this wasn't even the extent of the third-party companies involved. And that was only over like an eight to 10-week period of time, uh, July through August into September. And just for the telehealth service fee, uh, collectively people had paid $6.7 million. And for the actual pharmacy products, it was like 8.7. So if you take that number and you know that America's Frontline Doctors launched their telehealth service in January of that year, you have a previous six months of uh, this service and financial exchange going on with the public. Even if you round it down and you say, okay, it was only $3 million a month from January up until July, you're looking at short of $20 million dollars. And then additionally, right on the heels of this uh, article coming out, these articles coming out, one of the CEOs of one of these two companies uh, cut ties with America's frontline doctors. And another one for, I think it was a pharmacy, online pharmacy company, then like a month or two later, uh, stopped working with America's frontline doctors because they were so inundated with requests. So it skyrocketed after that, they weren't able to fulfill them. And it was around that same time that their main social media chat was flooded with all of these people who were not getting the product and they were not getting uh, a phone call from a doctor. So you know, you can do some basic math in your head and get like an, a guesstimation of the amount of money that this organization actually pulled in. And this isn't even, this doesn't even have anything to do with just donations. 
And when Simone Gold went to jail, um, I remember in my county listserv people who are signed up for her emails daily, at, every single day, she was putting out like urgent requests for funds, you know, support America, support freedom, martyr this, martyr that every single day. And already they just must have had this immense amount of money in their coffers. If you look at the 990s from 2020 and 2021, it doesn't reflect mm -hmm. mathematically uh, what must have been coming in. So there's definitely uh, a need for kind of crowdsourcing in that area and accountability. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, weird thing about all of this that's been going on, this uh, you know pandemonium or plandemonium, um, is will you get accountability if the other side doesn't care if there's somebody grifting off of people in the medical freedom movement, right? You've got people who um, who want real medicine and who reach out to get it, and if if they don't get it, does that also satisfy the aims? And, and, or, or it possibly even, and, and I'm not really speculating, I'm just saying that um, hypothetically, uh, this could be intentionally done to keep people from getting medicine. And this is, this is one of the reasons why it's important. It's one of the reasons why um, uh, I, I disagree with uh, Robert Malone, for instance, when he says, um, you know, people should just, um, you know, presume trust with him or with anybody within the medical freedom movement. And my thought is, no, um, you know, it, there's so much going on. There, there's such clear motivation for people to grift or to, or, or for people who, who might be chaos agents, you know, um, uh, disingenuously on the side of medical freedom uh, to sabotage the, you know, the movement in various ways. And that would include sucking money out of people's pockets. You know, if the goal is to uh, keep people from having the power to oppose it, then that's one of the methods to, you know, to employ. It's one of the reasons why um, why I've, I've publicly questioned, for instance, Steve Kirsch raising $100 million for a hedge fund right at this moment uh, <laughs> of, of strange banking crisis and, and you know, what, what looks like a bubble market that, that's probably still going to come down some more. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot that people should consider and people should not trust easily. The idea of easy trust just seems um, silly. Like you, like, would you teach your children, you know, easy trust with strangers or something like that? So I think that, that we, we need a moment of accountability and we need for people to, to, to ask the questions themselves, you know, uh, which organizations can I trust and why? It's one of the reasons why I like to promote as often as possible. Somebody like, you know, Dr. Fareed or, or, or Brian Tyson, uh, um, just, you know, from what I've seen, I've seen enough to have certain levels of trust. But um, th there are other places where I look and they're just, there's signs that there's just, there's a lot of money involved and, and not a lot of accountability. Well, you know, I'd like to add to that too. I mean, we have to understand that we're at a, we're at, we're in war <laughs> and it's that fifth generation warfare unlike anything we've ever seen before in the past. And you have to understand that propaganda and these, you know, chaos agents and those who are there to usurp and to take the wind out of the sail of the movement, 
they've all been put into place. And this is, you know, we're seeing a long game being played here. So for anybody, I know Mickey Willis, who I, you know, I respect him and I like the guy. And, you know, there's Dr. Robert Malone, as you'd mentioned, but for anybody to sit there and say, don't question, um, don't point the fingers. If you see criminality, like, you know, just hush, hush, you can't, you can't, because these are the people who are going to derail the movement. We, to me, it's about having a high standard of, of having high ethics, right? And calling out criminality, even within your own ilk, your own circle. And it's a, it's a difficult thing to do. Most people don't have the guts for that. But when you have this much money, this much power, you can have this much influence, not only are you going to have those who are a bit, who've been placed in these positions, but you're going to have the type of personalities. Some of them are, you know, sociopaths and psychopaths and narcissists who are going to be attracted to it. So it's actually our responsibility and it's, it's tough because it's the medical freedom movement. Yeah. yeah. If you can't police your own circle, why should anyone trust you to police theirs? That's right. There's kind of two different things going on though, or, or probably more, but you know, there's over the course of time, uh, well-meaning people finding themselves, I think, you know, attracted to uh, financial arrangement in a lot of cases, because people do need to live and have an income, you know, and not everyone has like a totally ennobled relationship to money. So that theme has been very strong over the last few years of also just redirecting people's focus and kind of scooping them up into situations that seem then to result in management or handling, you could say. Um, but in the case of America's frontline doctors, there's this added element of the concept from the beginning, uh, having been born out of a political group and uh, with the intention of a political strategy. So Simone Gold was on, <clears throat> she was a national advisor for the Save America Coalition. Is that what it's called? Save Our Country. Save our country. And uh, she sat on that council with, you know, members of or people very closely affiliated with ALEC, CNP, Heritage Foundation, you know, the kind of core dark money packs that I would consider deep state on the right and Tea Party Patriots, a uh, number of, uh, you know, top campaign folks for Trump and influencers. And there was a call, there was a phone call that was leaked to the Associated Press uh, between a number of these people where they actually created the imagination of America's frontline doctors. They said, look, to, to help Trump um, kind of push back against this whole lockdown agenda, we need a bunch of pro-Trump doctors. We want them to be wearing like bright white coats. This is how this is going to look, you know, like went as far as to kind of stage the imagination. Now you could say, well, that's an agenda worth supporting if you weren't a fan of the lockdowns, et cetera. But it's still really important to understand if it's born out of a political strategy, that's always going to be there in its biography. And the, you know, the people who I think the initial treasurer, I don't know if he still is now, is the guy from Awakened Church who maybe launched and funds the Reawaken America tour. Um, <clears throat> and 
a lot of the original doctors aren't even there anymore. I don't know where they found these people. I don't know who they are. Um, and Carolina Bonita was really closely connected at the time with a couple of them, Urso and Angie Farella. So she was in the mix. And then you also have Mike Kudre, who uh, launched and managed and still does, to my knowledge, all of the social media. And he comes out of uh, data harvesting, market research, uh, behavioral analytics. Uh, con he's contracted with the US government through one of his uh, various companies that he owns called Yuko Social. And if you go to this website, you'll see um, basically they offer a variety of packages for between $2,000 to $10,000 a month. You can hire them to manage your social media, uh, grow your social media, but also provide analysis for you. And he's bragged about um, running campaign, social media campaigns for you know, a dozen high profile politicians. And his company uh, contracted with the government based on that information and the service product codes to provide cyber intel. So who is this again? This is Michael Kudre. He's um, AFLDS's social media. Social media director. And he's, uh, he's like another one of these kind of right wing influencer guys who he has a similar profile to Stu Peters because he was a uh, relatively unsuccessful white rapper who went by the name Mike Tokes. And uh, he was actually arrested and I believe charged, I'm not sure, for um, some fraud back in 2017 and came out of that canoodling with pretty high profile right wing people. And really quickly, he had a, make a makeover is like how a lot of people describe it. And, and all of a sudden he presents as this really successful entrepreneur and investor. He launches something called Pharos Investment Group, although I can't find anything online uh, to corroborate that. So maybe that's a fund and that umbrellas investments into all of these different areas, including biotechnology. Um, and he owns uh, a series of companies called Tova Companies. If you Google him, what you'll find uh, most often is a sustainable avocado farm enterprise he, he more recently launched but he also owns Tova Medical, which is a telehealth company based in Puerto Rico, and this company, Yuko Social. And Yuko Social is the one that contracted with the government for a year, 2020, I think, um, and the product service codes place that cyber intel contract into analysis, market research, communications in the realm of intelligence and defense. So here you have this guy who, and uh, Yuko Social, if you, if you go to the website and you click on the, on the Twitter link, it brings you to the Twitter account of a different company called 33 Assets Incorporated, 
Um, and he, I saw him. We've got multiple financial companies. Yeah. Uh, and th so this is, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take a step back. I, I, had a, I had a career in, in finance uh, and, and, you know, it was like every other person was like, you know, a failed rapper who spent time in prison. Uh, very, very common, very common story. You know, multiple financial companies and, and suddenly in a high profile crowd. Um, and it, it, it's also interesting to me that he connects to Puerto Rico because uh, Puerto Rico, the, the number of things going on in and around the, the Puerto Rico circle, mm -hmm. and, and it's not even clear how many of them connect, but it seems like they might all connect. Um, you know, there's this really weird thing, too, is when you look at Kudre, you even look at like their connections with General Flynn, you know, as you said, the, the, like far, far, far right, the deep state, uh, and and even Eric Prince of Blackwater, formerly known as Blackwater, uh, even James O'Keefe is connected there. I mean, you have this really weird intersection of players, of young men in their 30s or so who get influenced by, you know, what I'd say the deep state players uh, with a lot of influx of money and, uh, you know, opportunity. And it's like they're, they're put out there in the forefront or into the mix. And um, when you start to look behind them, there's some really, really deep tentacles and a lot of them do, um, the, the, you know, the intercept for sure. Yeah, so Kudre uh, also went on to co-organize the Stop the Steal rally, the very famous Stop the Steal rally that took place on January 6th uh, with Ali Alexander. And so he's part of this uh, handful of high level individuals, I'll call them influencers, who plead a uh, very important role in actually creating the arena within which this whole event unfolded none of whom, to my knowledge, are currently sitting in jail, mm -mm. where you have mm -hmm. over hundreds, you have over 600 people yeah. sitting in jail. And I could pull, you know, a few dozen particular cases uh, and, and describe like how unbelievably ridiculous it is that these people have been in jail for over 750 days straight, most of it in solitary confinement. But what you see is a pattern of these kind of like middle tier to upper tier right wing influencer people were the ones who got the permits. Uh, they were in like group chats together. He was even, Kudre was even subpoenaed by the select committee, which was just all nonsense. I obviously don't need to say that. But nonetheless, regarding text exchanges between him and Ali Alexander leading up to the event and during the event, and all of these people, so Ali Alexander, Michael Kudre, Nick Fuentes, Alex Jones, his wife, a woman named Cindy Chafian, um, the list goes on and on, all stayed in the same hotel, the Willard, uh, nearby to the Capitol. And in a way, it almost looks like it was like a control center. They hosted these rallies. Uh, you have the infamous uh, Leigh Dundas participation as well the day before. They hosted rallies for two days. Uh, many of them communicated encouraging comments to people regarding their uh, 
the pressure being put on the Capitol, but none of them went in. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this stark contrast between the uh, incited, encouraged, invited citizen and consequences uh, versus the people who actually organized, literally organized the entire thing happening. And so he also shows up to go in themselves. And of course, anyone can claim, uh, well, I just have better judgment than that. Um, But when it when it's so uniform, it has to make us, you know, you have to wonder, you know, the, the degree to which they could have had prior knowledge. Right. And this yeah. is exactly why people in the in the medical freedom movement need to pay attention and not give trust easily, and uh, and you know make their own decisions, uh, and be as discerning as they can. Well, there's a couple things. One is you're really what we're really seeing with AFLDS. It's really exemplified is the massive smoke and mirrors, the massive propaganda machine from Michael Kudre still running the social media to the fact that American frontline doctors, uh, frontline news is in uh, Israel. It's ironic they're frontline news, but they're in Israel. And I do know that the current AFDS and in fact, the oversight committee want to bring back frontline news and actually put it into America. Um, And then you look at any of the social media with AFLDS and Simone Gold, and it really is very much about uh, just presenting a certain picture and there's really very little substance or truth behind it, but there there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I, I think that people have to really start tuning their discernment and, and start looking beyond the hype. And what happened was early on, as Kristen had mentioned, we did have the intercept. We did have mother Jones. We did have certain journalists who were reporting on the grifting for instance, but that was in the context of, oh, these crazy anti-vaxxers and they believe in hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, they're crazy. So nobody in our world was going to give those articles any time or credence or even read them, but there was truth to it. Right, this is, this is one of the, the difficulties of, of the, the breakdown of media. And it, you know, it's not even just hyper-partisanship anymore, it's also the censorship. Um, I have actually wondered if the censorship is itself a tool for breaking people into two pools, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, YouTube and and you know, uh, Facebook for one pool, or you know, something like that. And then uh, anybody who is you know right leaning, uh, maybe pushed off to Gab or Gitter or Truth mm-hmm. Social or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I've wondered if that was was a deliberate thing, like bring people into places where they can be showered with influence and showered with, yeah. um, you know possibly grifters, you know, people who, who don't have their best interest at heart. Um, hmm, I'm going to, I'm going to mention this since, since, you know, we've talked about uh, the influencers and, uh, and Kristen, you bring up uh, right-wing groups. Um, when I was in um, Puerto Rico myself uh, for the global COVID summit in September of 2021, one of the interesting things that I heard, uh, one of the media guys who was in, you know, involved in the production of all that, uh, one, of the, one of the guys mentioned that they had uh, some enormous number of emails from the Trump family, email addresses from the Trump family, from the church. I, I think he said directly from the Trump family. And I think the number was something like 90 million. And, uh, and when you think about that level of influence and in, in organization, um, you know, that's, 
people are are you know putting their information in the hands of people who can build a list you know who can sell that it, I, I don't even think sell that information is the worst possibility but just you know build a list and if anybody in any of those organizational circles uh is is there as a bad actor then suddenly that list is in the hands of of whoever would be the worst enemy that a person would want to put their uh, information with. Um, it was also interesting to me that um, that you know sort of the, the organization of media influencers was it was a topic there in in Puerto Rico, and um, and I heard uh, Russell Brandt's name attached to that, and he did sort of a, a strange um, you know I don't know recasting of himself. Right, and he is now the sort of uh, social media guru who uh, seems to be aiming at, you know, disenchanted uh, white um, right wing uh, crowd uh, that, that that needs, I don't know, that may, maybe needs somebody to to say, you know, no, you're not crazy for thinking freedom, but but if, if that's an organized image, you know, is it the same thing as somebody having your back? Right. People need to to think about that. Like, where, where, where does this go if I follow social media gurus? I'd love to jump in because there's, you know, there's this element of the money, making money off people and their plight, um, or at least it kind of running away from them if it got to the point where they couldn't manage the demand and this question of accountability if there's missing money, which it sounds like there is. But there's also this element of data harvesting. And I actually initially started looking into America's frontline doctors early on, like two years ago, because the astroturfed operations that I had already identified and had confirmation from people who were at the top in the beginning were harvesting data on the members. They had crossover in their management uh, with in particular, the citizen core social media groups that had the same design, which was this was on Telegram and they had a state citizen core social media for every state in the country. And so I joined mine. I joined a number of other ones and I kind of monitored what was going on. And it became pretty clear to me that they were harvesting data in a number of different ways. And so one is actually with petitions, you can, you can gather what's called point in time data, which is like in that instant or for the amount of time that a petition circulates, you get people to give their personal information and sign something and you get, uh, an indication of how many people yeah. there are that you can access who support or don't support a certain thing. Um, I just did an interview with my friend Gopi Krishna on uh, artificial intelligence, which is on my my Substack Beyond the Maze, and I really love this this interview. He he pulls out two concepts that I think are just absolutely critical for people to develop and or contemplate one being with social media, you have the possibility to actually just push a button or like pull a lever 
And you can, through communicating something, especially through someone with a lot of influence, move massive amounts of people toward or away from something. And the other concept is the dichotomy between institution and individual, in this case, let's say hero, or you might use the term guru, Matthew, where you have uh, a portion of the population give their trust right away to institutions. And then you have this other portion of the population that is not going to do that. And the more uh, the media tries to like herd everyone into the camp of trusting the institutions, the less this other crowd is going to. And for that crowd, you need heroes. If you want to move people, you need that level of influence. And so this is, this is the realm within which the individual who runs all of America's frontline doctors' social media works in. Um, it is this sphere of influence. It's literally how he describes what he does. And that, and so I'm certain that they were harvesting data and that that was a really big part of it. You have the leading medical freedom organization with the largest membership. Why wouldn't that just be a gold mine to characterize uh, the, the dissenting population. In and it's interesting that it would happen. You brought up artificial intelligence. Um, I'm going to add to that. JJ Cooey uh, came on um, Rounding the Earth um, two, three months ago, maybe three, four months ago. And he said, um, you know what? Uh, if this is somewhere near peak population of the world, then now would be the time to collect as much genetic data as possible, right? Similarly to, um, you know, if we're at the end of an era, like maybe the, the dollar era or something like that, now may be the time to collect as much information about, uh, you know, different groups as possible. Maybe, maybe not even with a goal of anything like the medical freedom movement, um, may, maybe not even caring which direction, which team wins or something like that. If a win may be defined as how policy unfolds from here but simply simply to gather the value of that data. In other words, there is a conflict of interest inherent in the existence now, the emergence of artificial intelligence tools and machines. Um, so that's something that people should keep in mind. Uh, you know, uh, own, own your own data as much as possible, uh, take control of it as much as possible. Um, now and don't just and don't just freely give it away in these spaces because you think they're secure private and run by allies like at least question if you don't know who the people are running these groups try to try to see if there's indications for example a question like who knows of a doctor in new york state who isn't going to require vaccines Mm -hmm. Right. And then all of these well-meaning, not so intelligent people just start giving names. Mm -hmm. I know of a case in California where and it was related to Citizen Corps, it was related to a Citizen Corps channel. A doctor had his license removed because the woman running the Citizen Corps channel posted a picture of an exemption that he wrote, supposedly wrote for her. I don't know mm -hmm. if this is true. And she said, like, you all can just go to this doctor to get an exemption. 
You know, and I, I want to hit upon you. You're talking about heroes and gurus versus you know institutions and how the population split. And you know, we talked before in the past how like Fort Fort Hood in California was a place to to really create the psyops and the actors and how they were doing a deep dive into creating gurus in California. I think it was like in the '60s and the '70s and started with even Manson. And I think that I think that they were looking at the long game back then that they knew at some point there was going to be a loss of confidence in institutions and government and so on. So who would the people look to? And now we look to these independent gurus or heroes. And and I think and from what I've seen on the front lines as an activist is that the powers that be, they know when some kind of movement is is bubbling from the bottom up. They can they can sense that. And they're really brilliant at tapping in. To, okay, like who are we going to put at the front here to stir, steer that crowd? You know, it could be, you know, the, the Egyptian, you know, revolution, or it could be, you know, like the Arab Spring. It's that type of thing. Like there was this rumbling below and they just took it and they stirred in a different direction. So we have to understand that 100% that is happening. And we have to, again, have that discernment to figure out who are these individuals. And a lot of it is you have to look at who's behind them, what's their history, who's the money with Simone Gold. She goes out there and says, I'm the founder. I started AFLDS. We know for a fact that no, she did not start it. She was put at the, you know, you know, at the head of it. She was the face of it. But that is not the narrative she shares today. So I would be careful as much as I love Russell Brand and he makes me laugh. I think he's a great guy. I get really concerned when I see certain ties with like who he's married to or family members or what his past is. And I think what everybody has a responsibility to whoever it is that they're following at the very least they should start doing a deep dive or, or look at those who are doing deep dives in these individuals because it's not what we think it is right and what we know from aflds it's all about creating a perception it's all about creating smoke and mirrors and collecting that data and golly knows what how that data is going to be used later on but that's what i'm seeing right now is that like for instance in europe we are seeing an absolute revolution that is, is skyrocketing, is exploding in France and other countries. But we also know that it's going to be highly, highly manipulated. And so we we have to have that discernment and, and really step back and, and take a, a deep dive and look at it. So this is interesting that you bring up um, Fort Hood and research into how to create gurus, because this is actually a topic that I've spent um, uh, a significant portion of my adult life uh, examining. And um, uh, this is this is what I think was going on at the Stanford Research Institute. Mm. Um, Jim Channing, who was um, worked in a think tank within the DoD, within the Army. Um, Jim Channing uh, was somebody who went to California and studied how it is the gurus operated. You know, people who had like little cults, you know, a little bit of land and cult, you know, David Crash types, maybe maybe not quite as extreme, maybe more extreme in some ways, but you know, how, how did that control of people really happen and take place? And, and, and uh, specifically, I was actually involved in a program growing up as a child that was part of that Jim Channing program. Yeah. And they, they called the program remote viewing. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who believe that the remote viewing is true uh, I mean, you know, to, to me, it's silly. You know, I, I saw the way these people behaved and, and I think that they were all just, un, you know, untrustworthy and that there was clearly something else going on. I've called it governance by aggressive, nonsensical guruism. <laughs> Gang. It, you know, it's, it's, it's gangs that I, I think they're, they're trying to establish some sort of new social order or, or the ability to be able to lead people um, 
you know, perhaps uh, once they've you know, sort of been, you know, brain neutered in the school system. But specifically, um, you know, when you, when you go back to the Stanford uh, Research Institute, they were they brought in this convincing nightclub magician from Israel, mm. this sort of guru esque personality, Yuri Geller. Mm. His primary thing, once he was put on TV and cultivating an audience, was literally a nightclub magic trick of, of spoon bending. But the interesting thing about him, perhaps in my mind, is um, you know, he was sued by a woman in Israel because at the end of his act, he wouldn't admit that it, that it wasn't real. Um. You know, you have this person who just like sticks, sticks to the story, who is willing, and, and it, even when it upsets people, Mm -hmm. they're committed to the illusion mm -hmm. high commitment to the illusion that's when you have a guru i th i think and there there are a lot of people i think who get taken in by the remote viewing program who just say why would the government have spent hundreds of millions of dollars if it weren't to actually like you know f catch up with the soviets and fight the soviets or whatever and, and my thought is always like, no, 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 look, look just a little bit deeper here. You know, this program was about um, was about developing uh, emotional and, you know, mental control over people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something like remote viewing is just a great testing ground for that mm -hmm. because, you know, most most of the programs that they most of the things they said they were training people to do, like walk through walls are such obvious nonsense mm -hmm. or, 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 you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know the fundamental nature of the universe necessarily. I guess I can keep an open mind. Maybe somebody walks through walls. I don't know, but, but it's the kind of thing that, that, that your skepticism should be highest about at the very least. So when people just become to accept it, you know, that there is something going on in, in the social sauce there, right? And I think that uh, that it's really important for people to think that way, as it is that we have something like a new era, and even the help of of, uh, of artificial intelligence, knowing who you are and how you can be emotionally applied. People should be thinking that way. It should be harder to trust than ever before, unless you really have worked with people you know them personally. I I mean I think you're hitting upon it. I mean I have a lot of people say, what do we do now with the the um deep fake videos, even the deep fake audios, AI, it really makes trusting online and what you've seen here almost impossible to believe. And I think, you know, what we're gonna have to do ultimately is, is you know, and I know the irony of me saying this on a screen, but um, is we have to remove ourselves from the screen and really start working and, and creating and coalescing those small pods of people that you know and trust and you can have a face-to-face -face contact because, now more than ever. And again, uh, our screens have been, they've been weaponized against us for sure. So now more than ever, you really can't trust what you see on the screen. So I'm, I'm really encouraging people to start having those weekly potlucks and growing your food and connecting and sharing skills and improving upon skills because um, what we see on, on the screen is going to only get worse and worse over the next few years. And, and so it's, it's, it's terrible because I actually don't know what to trust any longer on the screen. It's really, really difficult. And I had people who used to believe me a few years ago, they listened to me and then they just, and they were, they were putting solar on their homes. They were growing food. They were, they're constructing greenhouses. And let me tell you overnight when the fear struck, they're like, we don't trust you, Renette. We believe in Fauci. And I was like, you didn't even know who Fauci was a month ago.
And these are people who are now fully vaccinated and they're not doing well, but they, they literally gave up this incredible 40 year, 30 year relationship for somebody on the screen as their guru and they're not doing well. Yeah. I think that there's, that there's some sort of a mental hacking where um, each of us desperately wants to have a leader. Yeah. It, it is, it's ingrained in our minds yeah. So, you know, um, the primates, you know, you have, you, you know, you typically have uh, a silverback or something like that. Um, uh, some people say the alpha male and gorilla culture. Sometimes it's it's the female, um, but it, it's a combination of politics and strength. Right. Whatever whatever it means to keep the equilibrium of the troop. Right. And but, you know, so you have larger and larger groups. The human brain got large enough that we can know personally large number of people. Sometimes it's referred to as the Dunbar number, 150, though people say, well, we can we can manage two, 300 social relationships. Doesn't matter, whatever that number is. Uh, I posited it uh, about a decade ago. Uh, I came up with this notion that, um, that the reason that um, political leadership is so good at lying and getting away with it constantly is because people look for a very specific person to fit into their, to like a specific slot in their Dunbar number, right? The tribe has a chief. Mm -hmm. There is a silverback, there is an alpha. Mm -hmm. And if we are all disconnected from our local communities, mm -hmm. then what happens is people develop a parasocial relationship. Mm -hmm. And can it be a parasocial relationship with, uh, with Simone Gold? Can it be a parasocial relationship with, Robert Malone or with with Steve Kirsch. And this is why I don't like the, the hero game so much. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, once once that once that person in your mind is the head of your tribe, they have an enormous amount of mm -hmm. influence on where it is you decide to take your politics, your personal decisions, uh, all of that. It's it's a parasocial relationship, but it fits in evolutionarily, I think, mm -hmm. to, to the formation of our minds. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you know, we've entered a different age um, with with control of media and with uh, with artificial intelligence and the, and the ability to gather and process so much information. I think that's that's ultimately at the heart of this. So maybe it is that uh, AFLDS could turn out to be a blessing in disguise if this turns out to have just been, uh, you know, a plan to abscond with tens of millions of dollars and maybe even leave enough behind in the organization so that all the people working there can mm -hmm. sort of, you know, if, if you haven't actually really gone after it with a sword, you know, then uh, then you're really just taking the money and, and staying hush hush, right? So yeah, they have the AFLDS, the current AFLDS board or new board members, if they're replaced, they have to go after Simone Gold. They have to stop the fraud and the criminality. Otherwise we have to question we have to question their motives and um, and we have to question whether or not they're, they're part of the plan. So you, you can't, you, they can't allow this in good faith. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I suspect that Henry's right about the law, Henry Ely. Um, and, and, but he's certainly right in spirit. If, yeah. if, if something like that has taken place in your organization and you are not pushing to open up the doors and, and invite people, invite investigators and law enforcement in um, to manage the problem, then uh then i think that you are also guilty yourself but mm -hmm. so you know we'll see um and and this is i think this is the way 
that the entire medical freedom movement needs to be governed. Not that it's necessarily one move. There, there are a lot of people who stop and go, it's not a movement, it's not a movement. And, and there's sort of a truth in that, but it's also, there is also clearly a truth in the fact that it is a movement, right? It's like, you don't need a definition to know that, that there is something going on, right? That there are people who are looking for others who are like, wait a minute, this, this strange, you know, you turn in terms of, um, of believing in, in the value of natural rights and value of, of many people making many decisions that, that, you know, test a lot of possibilities and help us, you know, confederate the formation of society and, and the formation of our economy and all that, um, all, all the positivity and creativity that's in that, um, that, that there's, you know, those of us who are recognizing, uh, and, and looking around and going, wait a minute, who really believes in freedom still, mm-hmm. there's something to that. But if everybody gives up, if everybody puts all that responsibility in the hands of a few people, those people could, for instance, just intentionally drop the ball mm-hmm. or walk away with a large basket of money or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, be discerning people, um, be very, very careful. Um, create as much as you can yourself and just, and with the people around you. And, and if you don't have enough people around you, you know, put out the signals, put, you know, yeah. uh, put your fingers on the flare gun, you know, find a, make a meetup, you know, mm-hmm. um, be your own leader. You're not looking for that parasocial relationship. If you're being your own leader. Mm-hmm. There's also just, there's a couple tools that I think can be identified that are really helpful for people who are engaging with content online, because let's be real, that's not gonna go away anytime mm-hmm. soon. Mm-hmm. And it is a helpful tool mm-hmm. if we can cultivate, you know, being in right relationship to it. And right. one is objectivity, that there's distance mm-hmm. between you and the message or the uh, individual who's communicating the message. If, you know, you don't know the person personally, mm-hmm. that there's enough time or uh, thought put into how was this designed and for what purpose, and that you can just take that space and time. You don't just get swept via your emotions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I like this, I'm gonna share it. Or, oh no, intercept, anti-vax are bad. You know, that, mm-hmm. that you can actually just look at the whole landscape to the best of your ability and draw from that what's real and then also co-create in relationship to that content Mm -hmm. with your own mind. And another is um, trying to understand and be able to identify these levers. So you mentioned censorship and the role censorship played has played as a perfect example because on the one hand you had really intense censorship still do censorship but then on the other side it was used to immediately gain trust from people through messaging like the most censored doctor you know yeah yeah medical censorship i'll give you one example um there's a guy jason shirka he's kind of like a new agey whether he means to be or not he's definitely guru status and he's got this whole huge platform at this point and it's all very new agey and um he has this light system i don't know he's got some story where there's like a whistleblower who's like part of an alien race and jason shirk is chosen to like represent them in the world or whatever 
And there's these videos where he's <clears throat> interviewing this whistleblower and it's like all the voice changed, sounding all weird and like dark. You can't see the face under a hood. <laughs> and this supposed like alien being says like, you know, why have you been chosen? You've been chosen. Why do they want to censor you? Like you're so young. And I saw someone else kind of doing an analysis of this video. <laughs> and this guy say like, wait a minute, is Jason Shirka even actually censored? And then like Googled and he has like Instagram, Facebook, like all of it, you know, he's just got this whole huge platform. So there's just a perfect example of that's a lever because there's so many people here, you're the most censored who just immediately fall right into that. Like, therefore I trust you because you're a victim of the establishment as well as I am, which is real. And if you have the amount of money coming in that you can afford someone to handle your social media and there are all these different platforms available, then you're effectively not censored. Censorship works the most on people who who are not deriving some substantial income. From, Absolutely. Right. It's, it, yeah. it is harder. When, when YouTube um, uh, shut down Rounding the Earth, for instance, um, I still have a lot of my educational videos that I still... I just don't have all the extra time to go back and you know upload them to Rumble or put them on my my education channel or something like that, right? It, it, that's that's a several hour time cost, and that will come at the expense of not doing something else. So um, it, it is, yeah, it's it's much less effective uh, on people who have money on uh, who have some sort of um, uh, monetized stake in, in in what's going on. So Absolutely, yeah. Point. Now, uh, if I could. Uh, rewind actually we began a conversation and we were talking about where did things begin right in order for you to ground yourself in the judgment of what it is that you're watching um how is it that it came about that america frontline doctors media was located in israel given that they were created as an as like an america first type of you know uh, uh, image as an organization that is a mystery. I have to tell you, it is a mystery. And um, we don't know. I don't know if it was something Simone put into place. I don't know if it was already there in place. I'm assuming it was put into place before she even got there. That was just part of the, That was a piece of the pie. So, so she may have just been chosen to play the role and somebody else was already creating the, the actual vision itself. That that's possible. Uh, I, I read an article the other day, uh, I saw an article that made me rethink, um, you know, some of the way that I interpreted some of this, which was, it was an article specifically about Israeli intelligence, but it was talking about how the tools of Israeli intelligence had been gradually like leaking out as in, you know, now you have like private security firms or you have people who retire from these intelligence agencies and start their own like private intelligence firm. Right. And suddenly, they know all the tricks of the trade. And, and if there's additional technology involved, maybe they have access to it. And suddenly those people can run all kinds of campaigns and they can do it without caring about what it is they say they care about, like whatever kind of mission statement, they can do it to draw eyeballs to make money. They can do it to draw eyeballs to collect data and as you've already said, um, you know, 1.6 million emails leaked from one organization alone, or at least that that's that's what we've heard with AFLDS. 
um, you know, that is a lot of information to sell to advertisers or other people who want that information in order to best figure out how to manipulate you. And uh, that may be the world that we're moving into is a constant game of defense of that. And, uh, and that is fifth generation warfare automatically, even without it trying to be. Every time you see an influencer, every time you see an ad, every time you watch a podcast, you should be wondering if uh, if there's some sort of underlying motivation. Um, and, and, you know, like wondering that doesn't have to be an accusation. It can just force you to spend more time thinking through what's being said, right? Well, the cyber side is interesting, but the um, Israeli Defense Force is in control of the U.S. You know, cybersecurity. They got the contract a couple of years ago. And I've had people say, well, I'd rather have Israel, you know, have the cyber security contract than somebody else. I'm like, I'm not secure with any nation, any other military be in charge of America's cybersecurity. I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, and it is interesting. And, and granted, you know, Simone is, we've talked about this, Simone Gold is, is Jewish, um, though she is hurt, she really is hitting the, the Christian churches hard. Uh, for money, by the way, big time. And so it's kind of like, you know, it's it's interesting she's doing this, but she does have with her for-profit business, uh, Gold Care, if there's any disputes within the the business, within the employees, she has she has them sign this agreement that they, they have to um, put forward their dispute before the Council of Rabbis, which I just think is an odd thing to do, especially when people aren't Jewish. She's the only person I think who's Jewish uh, in, in, um, and again, I have nothing against my partner's Jewish, right? My, I, I nothing, but it's 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 their Israeli Defense Force, right? That's who I'm concerned with. It's those connections, and 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 the black ops. That's who are, I'm. You know, the poor Israeli people have been eviscerated over the last few years. They've been the biggest guinea pigs on the planet. It's not about them. It's about right. them. when it comes to intelligence agencies, like the motivations um, there, you know, always look different. Um, you know, you, you know, who are they really serving? You know, right. true, uh, you know, Truman basically so much has said, uh, you know, this is this, you know, the CIA had become a policy making arm in the U.S. Um, you know, the, just not not that I'm uh, deep into the topic, but it certainly seems that uh, Israeli intelligence is kind of that way in Israel as well. Yeah, I'm also not mm -hmm. deep into the topic, but I will say that um, there were like many markers over the course of the last two years of my research that connected America's frontline doctors to Israel, to, to Israeli intelligence and to the IDF. And uh, I believe that I remember reading that her father was actually ex-IDF. And he also was like the county commissioner of health in uh, Orange County, New York which is just a couple counties away from me. And if, you know, people really wanted to, they could go and look at the Heritage Foundation. They could go look at ALEC. They could go look at, you know, some of these kind of deep state on the right organizations and PACs and see that there's a real collaborative um, spectrum there between, uh, you know, United States politicians and policymakers and Israeli within that uh, crowd. So, you know, it's probably, and she worked with Michael Oren, right? Yeah. And so that, that was a, that was broke by mother Jones actually. Um, but that's also, that's a high level relate. That's a relationship with a high level Israeli uh, politician. Very high. In the United States. 
and and you can't discount it all. You cannot discount the generational connections, right? Like if the father, the grandfather were involved with the, you know, um, IDF or the CIA or any of that, you can't just simply assume that, you know, their grandchild, whatever, is not also involved because those familial ties are really, really, really important, right? They do like to keep it in the family. And so when you do see those ties, you have to give them serious consideration. I just want to say one more note on the, um, in relationship to this, like the birth of America's frontline doctors and how much that matters, even if we just backed it up to um, political influencers around Trump, if we're in agreement with the message, does that actually matter? And I think just in general for people who uh, want to kind of hone some capacity with relationship to content, online and on screens. Another is to explore the multifaceted nature of truth because the message of something can be true, but the vehicle of it in a way, the context can actually not be true. Mm -hmm. And also the intent that it's layered. And so if you have a message that speaks to you that content of which is true but the intent behind that message is deceitful then the question is is that actually true mm -hmm. that's what we're facing that's exactly what we're facing mm -hmm. and at the very least um the truth of that may be who it is that you give your support to mm -hmm. so a message can be true but, uh, you know, if the medium is something that you then trust and the medium is what steers you around exactly. the future, you know, that may be one example mm -hmm. of, of that, mm -hmm. which you said. Um, well, any other uh, thoughts before we go? Have, you know, have we covered uh, everything that um, <laughs> we know about America's frontline doctors or everything that at least we think is uh, the relevant news, what's going on there? Yeah, I, with AFLDS, it's 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 moving forward. As I said, it's a bit volatile right now internally because they got a clean house and they've got to they've got to keep their their ethical standards high, and they've got to pursue justice with Simone Gold and um, and call this out. And I I believe from what I've been gathering, uh, they have been doing that. And in fact, there is if you want to see, there is a report uh, that was put out on the fourteenth actually of March by the Oversight Commission of AFLDS. It's, if you go to medicalfreedom.org, uh, just go there and you can actually download their most recent report and get exactly their action items, what they've, what they've um, done so far, what they've accomplished and what they are in the middle and the throes of right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how much internal conflict there is over that path, um, given that, uh, you know, it, with that much going on, um, yeah, there's probably multiple factions, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that uh, Simone Gold uh, had had friends uh, inside. And I'm not saying that uh, that I think she's in the wrong necessarily. Um, I I have my opinion, um, but you know I'm I'm happy to to watch and let it play out. Mm -hmm. um, so, but thank thank you so much for uh, for joining us and, and sharing all of this. And I hope that people um, use this to have some sense of of uh how to navigate because it's it is a, a more and more complex world at the moment well thank you matthew thanks for the opportunity and kristen's always great to see you yes you too thanks for having us on matthew and we'll see 
what unfolds. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap things up. Uh, I'm going to look and see uh, comments real quick, see if there's anybody who has any questions that need answering. Uh, it looks like we're good. Um, we'll see you again another time.